Bishop, welcome. I'm Pastor Linda, one of the pastors here at the church, and we are really thankful that you decided to join us today. It's good to be with you. Today, we're continuing our sermon series on scent. And it's the series that Pastor Danny started off last week, and he talked about us being sent as apostles. You know, we just finished four weeks of discovering what the Holy Spirit was, and the Holy Spirit fills us, so we are sent out. So it's our response. And we continue that today. And today, we're going to explore an area where the Holy Spirit sends us out. And this place, or space, is the time that we spend most of our waking hours in. Take a guess of where that is. Put it in the chat. Where do you spend most of your waking hours? Go ahead. I'm waiting. We're probably seeing some common threads, aren't we? For most people, it's at work or school or at home. And as we work through the sermon today, I'm just going to use the word work. But what I really mean is where you spend your time, your waking hours, work, school, at home, whatever it is, a combination of all of those. I'm just going to say the word work because doing that whole slew of places we may be during most of our hours when we are awake will just take too long. And no one wants to hear that over and over again in a sermon and extend a sermon by a whole lot of time. So, work. Yes. You know, 98% of Christians spend 95% of their waking lives on their, on what we would call our front lines. In schools, in shops, in homes, in offices, in gyms, in healthcare facilities, wherever we work and wherever we spend that time. 95% of our waking lives with people who don't know Jesus. That makes this time extremely important to God and should be extremely important to us as believers, as people filled with the Holy Spirit and being sent out. So my question number two to start us off, to get you thinking, is how many times do you think God talks about work in the Bible? More than five. I'll give you a hint. More than a hundred, less than a thousand. Somewhere in there. Type away, throw it in the chat. Let's see the numbers. You know your range, a hundred to a thousand. Are you close? 800. Many theologians have researched it and said 800 times God talks about work in the Bible. That's how important it is to him. And 45 of Jesus's 52 parables take place in a workplace because he knows that's where we spend our time. And that's what people relate to where you spend your working, waking hours. So those two facts, where we spend our time, how important it is in scripture, that's what we're going to look at today. That as those people filled with the Holy Spirit, sent into the world to our workplaces and our school, and that's the title of today's sermon, Sent Daily. Where do we go every day? So today we're going to learn from one of those greats of scripture. Oh, I'm sure you've read the story many times. 
and it's a name everyone knows and we've got t-shirts with his name on it and we've all studied it countless of times. You can probably guess who I'm about to say. Are you ready? Bezalel. What? You've never heard of Bezalel? I did pronounce it wrong the first time. Bezalel. You've never heard of him. Well, you are not alone with that. Most people have not heard of him. If you read your scripture front to back, Genesis to Revelation, you would have read his name a few times, but it would have been such a blip, probably gone from your memory. So we all wonder who was he? I like how the Theology of Work Project puts it because they ask this question and then they answer it for us. Who was Bezalel? An obscure person whose name we have long forgotten. But Israel remembered him. He was an ordinary person like you and like me, through whom God did extraordinary things. Like him, whatever the nature of our daily work, we are called and gifted to do work that reflects the glory of God. That's why we often speak of the high calling of our daily work. I like how they put that, the high calling of our daily work. But as we head into this passage, into who Bezalel was and what he did and what difference that makes to us today, we most certainly need the Holy Spirit to guide us. So let's pray. And Holy Spirit, we do need your guidance. We know that you are in each of us who believe in Jesus Christ, and you are there for so many reasons to help us and guide us. So we, we cry out right now, Holy Spirit, to guide us, help us, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to what you want to teach us. What can we learn from this obscure man recorded in your scripture? Be with us. And we ask this all in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to step into a conversation that God is having with Moses on Mount Sinai. They talk about all kinds of things for many chapters in Exodus. Um, God talks about the laws of how to live faithful lives, the laws of how to live in justice, the Ten Commandments, instructions of the tabernacle, and everything that goes in it, including the Ark of the Covenant, and so many other things. But we're going to talk about the tabernacle in a bit. So this is where we step in. They're having their conversation. We're in Exodus chapter 31, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage in all kinds of crafts. So who was Bezula? Well, from that scripture, we know he's the son of Uri, the son, grandson of Hur. Now, Hur was his grandfather, and he's mentioned in a few earlier wars with Moses. He helped hold up Moses' arms when a war was going on. But we have known nothing of his father. This is the only mention of him. And... You know, most theologians agree that due to the timing, of course, his grandfather would have been a slave in Egypt, his father would have been a slave in Egypt, and most likely 
Bezalel was a slave in Egypt also. Young, but he still would have been a slave, and that would have been all he had known until Egypt, until Moses took them out of Egypt. So he was probably untrained, uneducated in kind of the, the world standards. What's interesting is that his name means in the shadow or protection of God. I love that. In the shadow or protection of God. Now, it's probably easier to say what we don't know about Bezalel. We, we know that he is no hero of the faith because we don't really know who he is. He's not seen as a warrior like his father. He's never mentioned as a leader or a wise person or, you know, all the jobs he did before this. Nothing. Nothing. So you know what? He really is a common person like me and like you. And yet, he is first mentioned in this passage, and we read about him in chapters 36 and 39 of Exodus as the tabernacle and everything in it is being created. He has a huge impact for this little time period, for this for his work. So what did he do? Yeah, he worked. It is as simple as that. He worked. Like so many of you and I, wherever you spend most of your waking time, work. Where we are sent daily. You see, work is God's design. Think back to creation. In the beginning, God created. He worked. And then he created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and said, take care of it. Work. And so we are called to work. God designed us that way. And yet, as one theologian said, at this point in the Israelites' history, they were working as slaves in Egypt. No freedom, had to do what they were told. And when they came out of Egypt, as this theologian puts it, they were free from slavery. But they were not free from working. But they had gained a freedom to love and serve the Lord through work in every aspect of life. That's what we live in. Freedom to love and serve the Lord through work in every aspect of life. So I think there are three things we learn about Bezalel that we can apply to our own lives in what we do outside when we're sent to our daily lives. We start off in verse 3. When God himself tells Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Filled him with the Spirit of God. These words are really important at this time in Exodus. Early in Scripture, there are people that other people recognize have the Spirit of God in them. The Pharaoh says that of Joseph. There are times that people say that of Moses. Other people recognize that the Spirit is there. Yet, this is the very first recording of God saying, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's significant. And why did he do it? It was for doing work. It wasn't the last time we hear of the Spirit of God filling people, but it was the first. Now, we did just spend four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit how the Spirit is exactly what we need now, how we are made new, we are helped, and we live by the Holy Spirit. Once we believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters us and is constantly with us. If you missed a sermon or two of this series, I highly recommend that um, you go back. Before you start binge-watching something new on Netflix, go back and 
listen to them, watch them. Learn about the Holy Spirit, because I don't have time to revisit everything we talked about then. But in one week on May 23rd, it is Pentecost. And Pastor Bill talked about that on the last week of that past sermon series. It's a time when the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised came on the disciples as they hid in the upper room. It's recorded in Acts 2, 1-4. And it talks about the heaven, heaven came down wind and fire that landed on each individual. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they then began to work. For them, it says they began to speak and preach in all different languages. That was their work. That's what God called them to do. And the Holy Spirit, once it was in them, enabled them to do that. We also, when we believe in Jesus Christ, are filled with that Holy Spirit. And we can do the work that God calls us to do. To our daily where we are sent. I love how Dr. Bossinger says in this, um, he's a professor at Fuller, um, great author, pastor, preacher, um, does a lot of leadership things there, amazing. And this is what he says about work, about vocations actually is the word he uses. Vocations are not just the domain of monasteries and priesthoods. Church has done that error for way too long. But of the marketplace, of homes, and professions. Since the call of Jesus is first and foremost to discipleship, none, that means no type of work, is excluded from what he calls us to do. So I believe our first challenge from Bezulu is, do we believe we are filled with the Holy Spirit where we are daily sent to work? Oh, we often feel the Spirit when we are worshiping in song or with our brothers and sisters, but at work, do you feel it? Do you know it? Do you call down the Holy Spirit when you're losing touch with the Holy Spirit in you? If we did call down the Holy Spirit and believed and lived out the Holy Spirit was in us when we work, would any words or action be different than what we normally do? Would we work with more humility? Would we be living in the fruit of the Spirit? Would that be different than what we do now? The fruit of the Spirit recorded in Galatians. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want you to think through your work day for a moment. Pretend you're there halfway through a Monday. Oh yeah, a Monday. Are you, with the Holy Spirit's strength, living these out? Identify one or two that may be, may be missing by the middle of, 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 uh, of Monday. Love. Everyone. Joy. In your work. Peace. When circumstances don't go as you want. Patience. When someone else is taking too long. Kindness, when someone else is rough. Goodness, when someone else is unethical. Faithfulness, when someone else does not act like a Christ follower. Gentleness, because that's how Jesus lived. And self-control. Take note, 
when you start your week, think upon those. Even put them on a post-it note somewhere close by your laptop or wherever your workplace is. Are you living out the Holy Spirit in you? You are filled with the Holy Spirit, just like Bezalel, to do your work where you are sent daily. If we continue in verse 3, we learn more about what God is telling Moses. And that is, he talks about, um, he talks about, he has chosen him, he's filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. You see, the Holy Spirit provides Bezalel and us today with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skills. You know, God asked Job in that wonderful book where Job wrestles with God. He says to Job, who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Job responds, well, you can do all things. I cannot understand nor have wisdom without you. So it's a great list, isn't it? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skills. I love it because we need each one of these to do our work, to live out where we are daily sent. I think it speaks to our heart, our head, and our hands. Because the Holy Spirit provides us with the wisdom, which actually really does reveal our heart often. Do we take advice? Do we reflect on what other people are saying or doing? Or do we just, our heart is hard and we think we're right? Do we discern with God and in humility take what is wise in what we are being taught and what we are learning? Do we understand that takes dialogue and humility again of the heart to realize that we don't know it all and we are continuously learning? Do we have the knowledge that allows our heads to make good decisions? We pour in knowledge. Is it the right knowledge? Does it help us make decisions? And the skills of all kinds? Wow, that's, that's a lot to do with physically what we do with our hands. Even if you're just, I don't mean just, but on a keyboard all day, that's the work of your hands and the work of your mind and the work of your heart. If you do more walking around and healthcare lifting and big decisions again, we need the wisdom of the heart and the head knowledge and our hands to work. It is God through the Holy Spirit that enables and empowers us to do this. As Paul writes in Ephesians 2, For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand as our way of life. He enables us, he empowers us through the Holy Spirit. So when you think about your workday, which of those areas, your heart, your head, or your hands, may not be as filled with the Holy Spirit as it should be. Think about that. For it is God at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, Paul writes. So later in this passage, um, we need to learn what his work will be, right? We know he's been filled with the Holy Spirit and he's been given these amazing wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skills. And you know what he was to use it all on? We talked about this earlier, but it was the tabernacle. And um, 
Verses 7 and 11 in chapter 31 talk about some more details of that. And then really you've got chapters 36 to 39 that really talk about how they made it. But what the tabernacle was, was the presence of God with the people. Think about that. Your work creates the presence of God with the people. And I love this image because it says when the tabernacle was done. So when you're in your workplace, this happens. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wow. Imagine if we saw our workplaces like that. That the glory of the Lord fills where we are sent out to be. See, God's presence is in our workplaces and he has called us to be co-creators in the work, in the beauty, in the presence of God in our workplaces. Amazing. Because God created work, it's with the awareness that God designed it for us to work with him in that spot. I think that's incredible. Another way to think of it is our workplace where we spend our waking days, where we are daily sent out, we are creating that space between where God and humanity meet. That's our role, our work, as a person filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's challenging, isn't it? Think of that. You get on calls, you walk in the door at work, you go to school. Do you see God's presence there? Seek it out. It is there. Do you realize you're bringing the beauty and presence of God into that space? If we believe that, then this verse would be what people see. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Bringing the glory of God and the presence of God into your workplace. Dorothy Sayer, big wig of faith and work, says the only Christian work is good work done well. That is part of how we work, full of the Holy Spirit. With all of those ways he had gifted us, we do our work well because we are doing it upon the Lord. And that makes a difference, whether you're doing it for power, prestige, wealth, next position, whatever it is, or you're doing it for the Lord. And you know what? You may be saying that doesn't apply to my job. Nope, not at all. Um, what, what if you were a doorman? A doorman in Manhattan that rarely talks to people and people rarely talk to them? Let me share you the story of one doorman, Nick Medley who made such an impact of living out his faith and work, he actually got on ABC News. So just watch this. And finally tonight, there's a hospital in America where the healing person you meet may not be a doctor or a nurse, but a welcoming stranger, making a connection with every patient and their family, a shining beacon of what is possible in so many lives. ABC's David Muir now, and the man who is America strong. How you doing? Keep your head high. Come here. 
About 1,300 hugs a day from Nick Medley, where they're needed. Everyone walking in in the middle of a fight, staring down the cancer. 14 years, David. And you're still smiling. I'm still smiling. But it goes far beyond the smile. He knows their names, their cancer, their family. You can sense. I can sense it. When they're giving up hope. I can sense, but you know what? I've seen some difficult cases turn around. I'm going to love you, and I'm going to spoil you back to health whether you want it or not. <laughs> it was a gift spotted in a little boy with that hint of a smile. Your grandmother told you when you were a little boy oh my God. that you had a gift. I didn't understand what she meant by that. She said, I don't tell this to everybody, but I see this in you. What she told him was that he would one day give others hope. David Everard was diagnosed with lung cancer a little more than a year ago. Do you remember the first time you met Nick? Actually, I do. He must have read something on my face, like fear. He said, you're going to be okay. One year later, the scans are clear. Let me ask you this, David. Sure. Were you a big hugger in the beginning? No. You weren't? No. But I've seen, I, I've seen the pictures. You hug him every time you come in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The patients God here all you. hoping Nick is still at the front desk when they leave. So you even know Nick's schedule? Oh, I know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's off at three. Yeah. This day, they make it. Here he is. And Nick has heard the news about David. I'm proud of you. And God love you, brother. Thank love you. Love you, too. He admitted to me he wasn't much of a hugger in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so you changed that. Uh, yep. And it's not just him. The letters from so many patients at Memorial Sloan Kettering. I was weary of tests, scared of the cancer that had taken over my life. And then I met you. Another writes of Nick, his true affection for those who passed through the door is like getting a double dose of adrenaline to go upstairs and fight like the Dickens to face each new round of chemo. Even the doctors depend on him. Without Nick, could you do it? I couldn't. So you know Nick too? Oh, definitely. He's, 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 like, the, he's like the mayor. Maria is a researcher. That's our Nick. This is our Nick. And through those glass doors tonight, he's cleaning up his desk, preparing for 1,300 more hugs tomorrow. David Muir, ABC News, New York. Amazing. Amazing. I love that story. I love that man. You can see it on his face. You can hear it in his words when he says, God bless you to people. The hugs are genuine. He is living out as a person filled with the Holy Spirit, living it out for God, a doorman. And it's wonderful to hear his more of his stories about the faith of his mother and his grandmother. But you know, this is so important. We cannot forget this. 800 times said by God, so many parables, that here at Cornerstone, we do take this seriously. And we are growing in our, our ministry. And uh, twice a month, we have time that we step out at lunchtime at 12.15, and we spend time sharing about our workplace, learning what God says, and praying together. And you know what? We, we understand and we're learning and growing in how much our faith and our work are intertwined, that we're changing the name of that to faith and work. Because it really is, those two go together, woven together, faith and work. How do we live that out? So join us. Our next one is on May 26th, 12th, You'll see in the e-news what, uh, how to get into that Zoom link. Join us. Only half an hour. Promise. Bring your lunch. So our Faith and Work Ministry really wants to support you as you discover more about what God says and go deeper with it. I love this quote from Elaine Kung, who is from Called to Work Ministry. 
She says, work is not just secular. Work is secular when you don't take Jesus with you. Work is sacred because God intended for us to experience him at work. God intended us to experience him at work. You're filled with the Holy Spirit to do the work he created you to do and prepared for you. The Holy Spirit enables us and empowers you to do the work. Your heart, your head, and your hands. And where you're daily sent, you are invited to be the co-creator with God, bringing his presence, his glory into your workplace. Now, usually as the sermon wraps up, we're praying and then we head into our response, which is usually a song or two, and then we have the benediction. But we're going to end a little differently today. One thing that doesn't change is after the service, there are people who are ready to pray with you. So take note of this Zoom link, step in and pray into individual rooms of someone who really wants to hear your prayer and to pray and with you and for you. But since we're being sent out with the Holy Spirit poured into us and what we do out there is our response, we are going to end the service with a prayer and a benediction and then go out. Our prayer is that your response is quiet, reflective, giving God some more time and space to explore what your response to his call to your workplace is. How will you see your work or school or home on Monday? While you enter in asking the Holy Spirit to make yourself, himself, evident. While you see your work, whatever it is, as a place to join with God as a co-creator of what he is doing in your workplace. We're going to end with a prayer by Tom Balsinger, who I quoted earlier, and then into the benediction. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating me with gifts and abilities to contribute to the world in and through my work. Holy Spirit, I confess that I often do my work in my own strength. Empower me this day with your spirit. May the fruit of the Spirit be evident in all that I say and do today. Give me supernatural empowerment to be creative and innovative, as well as to be steadfast in difficulties and stress. Lord Jesus, may I do the work you have designed, gifted, and empowered me to do excellently for your glory and for the advancement of the common good. We ask that, Father. We cry out for that. Help us when we enter into our workplace, whenever that is, Monday or this afternoon, that we do it full of your Holy Spirit, seeking your presence. Go out now, brothers and sisters. My beloved, be steadfast, immovable, and always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.